Welcome to Near Death Experience Podcast. I'm Chaz Hathaway. Today we're going to share the experience of Linda Stewart, whose experience can be found on near-death.com. She says, When I finally gave up my will to live, relinquishing my life unto death was sublimely easy after my long illness and loss of everything that had made life worthwhile for me. The decision to leave this world hung suspended in an extended moment of absolute quiet. Passionless, I watched my spirit leave my body as a feeling of otherness engulfed me. I felt a strange detachment from my body and the life I had created. I was no longer connected to a pitiful, suffering mass of flesh. I was not that body, and yet I still existed, but in a state of being. Gone was the wrenching pain that had accompanied me every waking, my every waking moment. The strain of expanding my lungs to grasp for air had disappeared. Fatigue, which had weighted my life for years, had lifted. Depression no longer drained my mind of hope. Sight and sounds did not seem, uh, did not sear my head with pain, leaving me emo- emotionally bereft. And yet I still existed. I felt weightless and calm. Although I knew I was not in the life, lifeless body lying on the bed, and that the eyes and brain I had previously identified as mine were in the inanimate object which I no longer identified, I was still aware of sight and thoughts and sensations. I observed my new reality with tranquility. Slowly I looked around, and below me I saw a vast, endless blackness, like a void or black hole. I was irresistibly drawn toward the darkness. Gradually, I felt myself sinking toward it. I thought, without fear or any emotional reaction, isn't this strange? I had been so afraid I was going to be judged and sent to either heaven or hell, but it appeared I would simply disappear into the dark nothingness. As even my new awareness waned, I yielded to the heaviness overtaking me as darkness filled my mind. My vision became obscured as I began to merge into the blackness. Offering no resistance, I released my hold on any remaining shred of consciousness and personal identity. At the very moment I felt the last of me disappearing into nothingness, I was suddenly buffeted by a powerful, energetic force that swooped beneath and lifted me, carrying me upward. Barely conscious, my only awareness was a sensation of rising. I seemed to be traveling upward at an unimaginable speed. A clean sensation of wind rushed over my face and body with tremendous force, and yet there was no discomfort. Vast distances seemed to fly by me, and the higher I rose, the more my head cleared. I became aware of a deep sense of peace and warmth that permeated my senses. Confused because the energy that had enveloped me had a definite presence, I tried to see what was happening and who was carrying me, or who or what cared so deeply for me. I felt peaceful and loved immeasurably. I knew I was in the arms of a being who cherished me with perfect love 
had carried me from the dark void into a new reality. As my mind cleared, scoured of the remnants of mortal past associations, I was finally able to open my being fully to spirit, and my vision cleared. With the eyes of my soul body, I looked to see what held me in such love, and I beheld a radiant spirit being, so magnificent and full of love, that I knew I would never again feel the sense of loss. I have no way of explaining how, but I knew the Spirit was Christ. It was not a belief, perception, or understanding, but my recognition of Christ came from my new perspective of Spirit. I did not see the Spirit as I had seen Jesus of Nazareth depicted in paintings, but the innate knowing of my heart remembered and acknowledged Christ. The radiant spirit was Christ, the manifestation and expression of pure love. Because of my Christian education, I knew no other name to call what I felt as I looked at him. Others might have called him Buddha or Yahweh or Great Spirit in the sky, but the naming didn't matter. Only the recognition of absolute love and truth was important. Safe in the gentle yet powerful embrace of his love, I rested, secured that everything was okay, exactly as it was supposed to be. Ascending even further, I lifted my eyes to see a great light in the vast distance. With Christ as my guide, I rapidly approached the light. Ecstasy filled my soul as I looked at the radiance, many-fold brighter than the sun. The light was everywhere and everything, the brightest I had ever seen and dazzling beyond description, brilliant enough to blind or burn, yet I was not harmed. The light moved over and through me, washing every hidden place of my heart, removing all hurt and fear, transforming my very being into a song of joy. I had thought uh, the... I had thought the love I felt from Christ was complete, yet the light toward which we were soaring was the fulfillment of my search, the loving source of all that exists, the God of truth and unconditional love, the origin of creation. My understanding of love has forever changed. The majesty and glory of that vision was an ineffable moment that defined forevermore the direction of my new truth. I was home, and I wanted nothing more than to remain in the light of God. Christ had delivered me into the light, and I stood in the presence of God. I was filled with complete knowing. The light was love, and love was God. Waves of consummate love which emanated from the light obliterated every burden I carried and every thought that kept me from knowing God. I was made aware of my purity. With new clarity, I realized I had been walking through life ghost-like, wrapped in a shroud of fear, huddled against illusions. I stood like a lover open to the liquid flow of golden light that filled my empty shell to overflowing. There was no limit to the outpouring as I came to the rapturous awareness of the infinite nature of God's love. There was no place that God did not exist and I was within God. I am an inseparable part of the light. 
the truth of who I am indeed, who we all are, is perfect love as a creation of God. All of God's creation is one creation, and I am one with creation. God and I are one, creator and created. I had spent a lifetime of fear of judgment, and now, standing with God, I had been known completely and found faultless. I knew God regarded me as perfect. God loved me because love is the totality of God. God loves without limit. Finally, it all made sense. God could only love me because God is only love, nothing other than love. The only reality is God. There cannot be another, and God is love. I had reached my true home. I turned to Christ and said, This is beautiful. I'm home. This is where I want to be. I want to stay. And Christ answered, You can stay for a little while, and then you must return. I couldn't believe I had to come back to this physical reality. After a lifetime of confusion and fear, I had stood in the presence of an open, receptive, non-judging, totally loving God. I wanted nothing more than to remain in, the pre- in that presence, but was told that I had to return? Another aspect of the dramatic change in my life after my near-death experience is that I no longer have a fear of death. In fact, death became a favorite subject overnight, where I had once Forbidden even speaking the dreadful word in my home, now my family and friends couldn't get me to stop talking about my amazing experience. Surprisingly, I was sad and angry, even defiant. I was confounded that after my lifetime of fear, I had made it to heaven and then had been sent back. Why? I asked. Was I too little a fish or what? For almost a year, I would lie, often I would lie in my bed at night crying sobbing and begging God to let me come home. I was not one of those lucky persons who experienced a spontaneous remission of their illness with their near-death experience. I was still very sick and didn't understand the point of my having to remain on earth when I could make no more contributions and had barely any interactions with my family or other people. I found myself whining, questioning, and begging God, please, 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 let me come home. Bargaining with God, I urged, If I have to stay here, why can't you cure me so I can do something? Pleading with God, I cried, If you aren't going to cure me outright, what if you let me be just well enough to paint or for just an hour a day? If I can't do anything, why can't there be some way I can be around people? I'm lonely. Although I felt waves of love wash over me constantly when I stopped complaining long enough to remember my experience, I never got the answers to my pleas, at least not the answers I wanted. After about a year, I prayed a new prayer from the sincerest depths of my heart. Once again, I relinquished my will and efforts to direct my own life. As completely as the night, I gave up my hold on life and died. I said to God, My dear God, I give up. I do not know what is right for me. 
I don't know what I am supposed to do, who I am to see, or what I should say. I don't even know what to think. I am always requesting what I think would be best for me. God, I don't know what's best for me. My life is yours. Whatever you want for me is fine. If I am to lie here in this bed, sick and disabled for the rest of my life, whether it is 20 minutes or 20 years, that's fine. Whatever happens is fine. I know you love me. And then I added, I make one request, however. Please, if I am to live, let me be useful in some way for you. A curious manifestation after my near-death experience was that I began seeing a white glow and glints of lights around people and objects. Because I had had so many physical anomalies during my illness, I assumed the lights were another optical side effect of the illness. I was later shown that the lights were far more than that. As my health had slowly improved, I occasionally drove myself short distances to appointments. One day I was driving down a busy street. I stopped at a red light and watched an odd scene unfold before me. A delivery truck had parked on the right side of the street about a half a block ahead. The truck was one that opened from the sides rather than the back. I watched as the driver walked around to the traffic side of his truck and began unloading his cargo with un oncoming traffic approaching. Inside my car, I said out loud in my little southern voice, Oh honey, you shouldn't do that. It's dangerous. On this notable day, I watched, stunned, as the familiar dancing lights around the delivery man swirled, quickly coalescing into the form of a breathtaking, translucent, beautiful woman spirit, glowing with light. Perhaps it was because I had sent a loving and concerned thought about the delivery man's well-being that the spirit turned her loving gaze on me. For a brief moment, our eyes met. She smiled at me, then hovering over the unsuspecting man, returned her attention to her charge, who was, ob uh, who was oblivious to the heavenly presence and was busily going about his business. I was thunderstruck, barely breathing for fear the vision would leave, and mesmerized by the vision, I was reluctant to take my eyes off the beauty of the scene. However, from my peripheral vision, I became aware of more compelling light, even more compelling lights. When I was able to tear myself away from the spirit, I glanced slowly at the vista around me, and everywhere I looked, every single person in my view had a beautiful, loving, had beautiful, loving spirits attending them. People walking nonchalantly down the sidewalk were accompanied by spirits. From within cars, unfettered by physical barriers, I could see the glow and form of beings around the occupants. I saw joggers with flutters of light streaking behind them as their spirits kept pace. As people entered and left buildings, the lights followed. The view before me was filled with brilliant white light. From the limited understanding of my human mind, I struggled to comprehend the meaning of what I saw. I knew the lights were connected to individual people, although more of them than with them, almost as if they were an extension of their existence. A light connected to their to an aspect of their higher self. The lights 
a connection to the humans which were glinting off the beings were so bright and expansive they interconnected forming a solid of light grid or for forming a sort of light grid i remember reports in books on the near-death experience of people seeing grids on the other side that they didn't know how to explain as i looked at the network of light before me and felt the immense outpouring of love coming from the beings i realized the connection of human beings to the beings of light was through love and that the love itself was connected through this grid the metaphor represented by the image i saw and perceived was absolutely clear and i was overwhelmed with the knowledge that we are all one i comprehended that our oneness is interconnected by love and is an and is an available much higher level and means of communication than we normally use but to which we have access the love is available to anyone who is willing to do the hard spiritual work that will allow us to open our hearts and minds and eyes to the spirit i remembered the love i had felt in the presence of god and experienced a total sense of love for all existence as an interconnected oneness and a manifestation of god over and over this single truth was being driven home to me only god exists god is everything all that i gaze upon is a representation of god not a physical mirage but rather the shining brilliance behind the mask i was startled back to everyday awareness by the blasting of a horn i looked down at my speedometer and realized i was barely creeping forward in the car with sheets of tears streaming down my face and all but blind with emotion i pulled uh, i pulled to the side of the road until i could make it in all that until i could take in all that i had witnessed and regained and regain my composure i don't know how long i sat taking in the wonder of that event but i couldn't move until the spectacular vision slowly dissipated returning to the more familiar form of lights around the bodies of the people i watched I was reluctant to leave because I hoped the angels would return. And I called them angels because I don't know what else to say, but when I gathered my senses enough to drive, I made my way home, anxious to tell my husband. Still, I wondered what he would think. Would he think I was hallucinating, getting sick again, or perhaps even losing my mind? Much to his credit, he listened with open ears to my tale. In fact, after I told my story, his response was, "Can you see anything around me?" Looking deeply into the lights around him, I discovered that by focusing on the glinting lights, a form emerged taking the appearance of a beautiful spirit. When I described his spirit attendant, he was thrilled. Encouraged by Ed's response, I told my story to my children and friends and they related the information to their friends. That initiated the sometimes timid and skeptical but or that yeah that initiated the sometimes timid and skeptical but always curious inquiries from the friends. They too asked if I would mind telling them if I ha- if they had beings around them. would i mind it was my joy to share the love i felt coming from the exquisite inhabitants from a dimension where love reigns eagerly i share with one or with anyone 
who wanted to know if they too had angels around them. Eventually, news of my ability to see the angelic realm spread via a newspaper article, television appearances, college lectures, and most significantly, word of mouth. Today, I devote my time to readings, counseling, and lectures. As I talked to more and more people, I garnered new insights. In the beginning, I called what I saw angels because I didn't have any other words to explain what I saw. The beings were always loving, luminous, and had an otherworldly presence and beauty. Curiously, as my ability to discern spirits progressed, I began to see a different type of spirit hovering, hovering around people, and they compelled my attention. I felt responsible to describe exactly what I saw, and only what I saw around the people who requested the reading, even if their spirits did not look like the stereotypical angel which they expected. For instance, I once told a woman of an, elder, of an older man with ears that stuck out, wearing little round spectacles and with goofy, a goofy smile that revealed te- teeth that had spaces between them. The woman looked amazed, and with tears in her eyes she said, Oh my gosh, I recognize him, that's my uncle who was killed. I always wondered if he was okay. The spirit grinned and related telepathically with me, and related telepathically with me. I was able to let his niece, whom he still loved, know that he was fine, and that he had been with this unsuspecting woman all the time. The first time this sort of thing happened, I was taken by surprise. Confused and with a knot of apprehension in the pit of my stomach, I thought, oh great, Now I'm seeing dead people. If I had not had my near-death experience, I might have thought I was going crazy, but I did have a near-death experience. I could now see angels, and evidently, I could also see the spirits of people who had died. There is no death, but I could report on the presence of the other realms where spirits reside after leaving their mortal existence. I also discovered that I could, on occasion, see the spirit form of people who are still alive on the earth realm. I quickly resolved my apprehension about this ability when I saw the happiness and comfort it gave people to hear the encouraging stories of love beyond the grade, beyond the grave. That's the end of Linda's experience. Isn't that beautiful? Just, uh, it, this is a fabulous example of a number of things. One, you know, often when people have a near-death experience, I mean, they came near death. They came near enough to death that their bodies are completely broken when they return. And hers, for it sounds like years, um, was just utterly useless in terms of of doing things for other people and trying to be of service and, and do something of good in the world. She just wanted to be of some kind of service and and it was only after like a couple of years of saying please just anything i can do and finally saying you know what my life is yours if you want me to do good i will do it if you don't so be it and she just kind of let it go and 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 just said this i'm here if you want me to just not get better, not be able to do anything for the rest of my life, so be it. It's as she just turned her whole life into 
God's hands and said, it's all up to you now. I, I can't fight trying so hard to, you know, overcome and try to heal and so forth. It's all up to you whether I even heal or not. And, you know, we kind of overlook that sometimes with the near-death experience um, that we hear from other people is, is that they're coming back to a broken body often. And it takes a long time, you know, in mortal terms. Two years is a ridiculously long time. And it sounds like it was even more than that. But it was those first two years where she was just useless uh, from her perspective. She just couldn't do anything. And people, you know, were only able to visit so often. And she was lonely and alone and just not able to do service, not able to even paint like she desired to do. I, I gather that she was a painter previous to this, and she even paints um, pictures from her near-death experience and, and so forth after this, and, uh, which is beautiful. I'll see if I can post those in the show notes so you can see, um, because they're beautiful, these pictures that she drew. But um, then, after a long time, she's finally able to begin to be of service. And it took some time for her to figure out what kind of service she would be able to do. And when she first has this vision of the, uh, or vision, or, or recognizes this ability to see spirits, she'd apparently been seeing lights around people since her near-death experience, which she kind of assumed at the time was like an, uh, a side effect of her illness. Um, but as it turns out, it seems to be a side effect of her near-death experience or an after-effect. And on this experience of seeing this angel near this uh, truck driver that got out and, and she kind of prays for him or worried about him, oh, he's in danger there. And kind of a loving thought toward him, um, compassionate thought toward him. She sees the spirit and she's transfixed by it. She's just absolutely amazed. And then she sees out of her peripheral vision, wait a minute, there's others. And then she starts looking around. And, and of course, then a car honks at her because it's time to, <laughs> time to go. The stoplight has turned green. And anyway, she pulls off. And, and apparently this ability... While the vision itself seems to dissipate, um, it sounds like she's able to, when she concentrates, she's able to see those spirits um, on demand, really, as she looks for them. Um, she can see them, which is a gift that obviously most people don't have, and one that is an apparent after effect of her near-death experience. And this is one of the reasons why um, if somebody claims to see or hear spirits from the other side um, in some sort of way as to be able to communicate, you know, like like to be able to say, hey, there's somebody with you that is like this and has this and seems to uh, um, be trying to tell you this. I would first be interested in if they had an, if that person has had a near-death experience. <laughs> I know that's not fair for somebody that's born with this gift, but... but that would certainly add a level of, of um, explanation to their ability <laughs> that uh, um, otherwise you kind of have to take with a grain of salt, you know. But uh, very interesting. And 
I would not be surprised to find out that many people who have near-death experiences actually had either a near-death experience previously or perhaps had some spiritual tendencies so that when their near-death experience came, it was like it was like they had a, tor a tear in the fabric and now there's a gaping hole in the fabric of the veil um, after their near-death experience. And that um, she, she doesn't talk much about prior to her near-death experience, but uh, yeah, so what a beautiful experience. And I'll go ahead and, and uh, post some of the paintings that she's drawn, if I can find some good uh, images of them. Um, I'll put them on the show notes on neardeathexperiencepodcast.org if you would like to see that under her uh, um, entry. That's Linda Stewart. So uh, if you would like to contact the podcast, if you would like to either ask a question, leave a comment, share your experience, you can do that in any number of ways. You can go to neardeathexperiencepodcast.org and uh, comment. You can email pod, uh, near death experience podcast at gmail.com or you can call 970-NDE-CAST and it will give you three minutes and if, if your question, comment, or experience takes longer just call back and just continue your story from where it left off and you can do that as many times as it takes and I will go ahead and patch those together that's not a problem at all for me and I would be happy to bring your question or comment to the podcast. So with that, thank you all of you so much for listening.